You were listening to episode 141 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we game and watch and have a ball in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So, uh, yeah, this week we unfortunately did not get to play much Blue's Clues for Ryan. Um, I have family coming into town and we just can't record on Sunday in person like normal. So, John, uh, I'm sensing I'm sensing there's a reason that we couldn't play this. And I'm sensing that there might be three parts to this mystery. I'm going to have to get the aid of a small canine to solve this problem. So, uh We'll play Blue's Clues next week, Ryan. But We're going to play Blue's Clues to solve why we couldn't play Blue's Clues this week. No, we're not. No, we're not. Yeah, so uh, we're, we actually played the game and watch uh, minis that you can purchase right now in like any Walmart location or Target. And yeah, I mean, dude, I bought mine a long time ago. Uh, you bought yours recently and we figured why not talk about them? See what we both think. Uh, so we'll dig into that. Got some good uh, articles this week as well. So uh, one of them, well, one of them is actually not an article. One of them is a first for us. It's a Reddit thread. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the uh, predatory monetization of Pokemon Unite, according to one Reddit user and uh, potentially more. Uh, we're also going to look at the new PS5 digital edition model revision that's coming in. Uh, and then we are going to discuss, again, Netflix and its expansion into gaming. And it turns out they're looking at mobile. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But to start out, as always, Ryan, any pickups? Any currently playing? So, no. Um, you know, I I will say this, John. You and I both have the same pickup. You just got yours early, and uh, the store that I was going to pick them up on, they didn't want uh, to give it to me early, and they wanted me to narc on the store. But we're talking Magic: The Gathering, the D and D series. Like, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that me and John definitely get down on some D and D, and you definitely know that John will pay a lot of money for Magic cards. Um, apparently, I'm going to pay a lot of money for Magic cards coming up soon because I've talked about it multiple times. I'm super stoked for this set. I'm super stoked for the 40k set. I'm super stoked for the Lord of the Rings set, and I'm going to bring the wall to eyes and God. Uh, as soon as all of this is complete with a triple orc deck, D&D orcs, 40k orcs, Lord of the Ring orcs, all combined into one giant wog of death. So this is the make, first step. Uh, you're going to make an orc commander deck. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I, okay. I see. I don't even know what commander format is. It's been so long. Oh, Ryan, you, my son, have so much to learn I on guess. Magic the Gathering. It, is, it has been quite a while. I mean, I honestly haven't played in a tournament setting in years, but I've kept up with it uh, for the most part. You know, for instances like this, when there's a set that comes out that I'm really excited about and I want to jump into, I at least I knew it was coming down the pipe, right? So yeah, I actually got my pickup early. I went to a shop uh, in town and I don't know if they got the, like the pre-release stuff mixed up with the booster box, like whoever it was that put in the order information, like to say, hey, your order's ready. But I got a message that said, hey, your order's ready. I said, well, screw it go down there and get my stuff. So uh picked up my box and I had no problems. <laughs> so uh, Ryan, unfortunately, went to another store that he ordered from. And Ryan realized if you would have purchased it from the store that I went to, like I told you to, you would have your box too. Well, yeah, but that's all the way on the other side of town. No, it isn't. It's actually closer to you than the one that you ordered it from. Oh, well, that one's right next to my job. 
what the one oh yeah that's true because it's so easy to make the money and then take the money to write where i want to spend it yeah see i had to drive about 20 miles for mine (laughs) but but regardless dude i ended up getting it which is nice so i'm not going to narc on the store but thank you to that store for giving me my product early on accident good job Uh, store good job uh let's see what else did i get uh because you didn't get anything and you're not playing anything right is that correct? Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, that's Ryan? that's pretty much true. That's pretty much true. Okay. I'm still a giant disappointment to everyone around me. He truly is. All right, let's move on to my current pickups. I have to. You see what it is, folks? I have to actually pick up the slack sometimes because Ryan just isn't buying anything and he's not playing anything. Yeah, but you pick up so much slack, John. Your right. house is just full of slack. There's slack strewn about all over the place. I think every room has slack in it. Uh, all right. So along with the D&D set, I also today, as a matter of fact, which... John, do you like to slack off all over your house? <laughs> mm, I'm not going to answer that. Okay. So just don't look at the ceiling. Uh, all right. So today we are recording and it is Thursday. Yeah, today's Thursday. I normally record on a Sunday. Uh, so Thursday, John, in the past, picked up a one-up arcade Mortal Kombat Legacy Edition or whatever it's called. It has Lord Raiden on the side of it and has like 12 games built in, uh, but it will soon have most likely like a thousand games built in. Uh, so that is what we're aiming for with that. But dude, I've been wanting a Mortal Kombat style arcade cabinet from one-up for a long time. Finally just walked into Walmart and they happened to have it and I was like, here's my money, take it. I need it and just walked out. And the funny thing is my wife, I called her up and like, Hey, can you bring a cart? She's like, what do you need a cart for? I'm like, I'm buying an arcade cabinet. And it was like, okay, I'll go get a cart. So there was like no complaining on that front. Um, the next thing that I got was Balan Wonderworld, which laugh all you want, Ryan. Well, John 20- texts me. He's like 20 bucks for Balan Wonderworld. And I'm like, who wants it? Well, John wanted it because he bought it for 20 bucks. So picked up that brand new on Switch for 20 bucks. And then also uh, today I picked up the D&D Rage of Demons uh, miniature booster case. Uh, so that one in particular is actually the set the uh, what is it? Enter the Abyss or Out of the Abyss uh, campaign that you ran a while back um, or that we didn't get to finish, unfortunately. Yeah, it's actually the booster case associated to that campaign. Uh, main reason I picked it up is, you know, obviously I'm running an Avernus campaign that has many demons in it, uh, as well as devils. And there's some things I can actually pull out of that booster case and use in my existing campaign. Uh, so that's the primary reason I bought it. And then uh, our friend Joel, who was on an episode uh, several weeks back, he has a crap ton of minis. And so he and I were like, well, why don't we just like trade each other minis? Like, you're probably not going to need you know, these Darrow and a couple like copper dragons. So why don't you give me those? And then I'll take, you know, or you can take X that I have that I don't need. So that's kind of what we're looking at is trading miniatures, which is a first for me. And uh, yeah, pretty stoked, man. I can't wait for that to come in. And I also bought some, uh, what is it? Nolzer's um, unpainted, whatever the hell they're called. Some of the unpainted minis as well uh, that I'm going to be using in my campaign. Nice. Yeah, so good stuff, man. So if you want to crack open a Rage of Demons with me, let me know, and uh, you know that'd be fun. Can... Yeah, that'd be a good one because I don't think you've ever cracked one of his open, have you? No, I haven't. Yeah, but I that... do have something uh, that could be considered a potential pickup because it's it's related adjacently to the kinds of things that we're interested in talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've recently redesigned my nerd room, and I wanted like a little retro corner. 
So I got like this old piece of furniture at a Goodwill that looks like something that you would have grown up with as a child in the 90s. It's like an all wood, like, uh, like uh, hexagonal shaped table with like double doors that open. And then I'm going to order like an old CRT with a built in DVD player to put on top of it. I'm going to have like a little old retro corner in my chill room upstairs. That's going to be badass, dude. That's going to be some good stuff when uh when you have it all set up. 10 bucks. Go to your local Goodwill. You can find no, stuff. No. Don't don't have them go to Goodwill. That's my spot. They they can go off to uh, sa- uh Savers. Go to Savers. They have plenty of stuff there. It's just overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see. And I'm currently playing uh I finally beat BioMutant and Hey, good job. Yeah, it sucked. So, uh let me let me do my quick review spiel on Biomutant. So the game itself visually was not bad. Um it's pretty it's a pretty cool environment, right? But my thing is in games like this, you know, you have your Fallouts, your Oblivions, your Skyrims and all that. And this particular game, like while it has that type of environment, it's just so repetitive. And that's what all the reviews were bad about, right? Like all the negative reviews were it's repetitive. Once you do one side quest, you've done all the side quests. And that really is the truth. There's just so much repetition tied to it. And more so even like the main quest, like your the bulk of your quest is either to like save this like crazy tree of life type of thing, right? By killing these like four world eaters or letting the tree die. And like the four world eaters that you're supposed to kill as part of that, like other part of the campaign, um, essentially are like the same type of boss battle in the same format. And one of the other things I notice is that like, even though you have like all these weapons available to you, like a sword or a gun or magic abilities and all these other things or, or mutation type abilities, the most powerful thing in the gun in the game is a gun. So you're just like frequently shooting things the whole time. You don't need to actively use any other weapons if you don't want to, like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. So, and you know, the narration aspect that we've talked about in the past just isn't good. It just kind of kills the entire story. There's no sort of emotion from the characters in this game. Uh, not even your own character has emotion. It's just this crazy narrator the whole time talking, and it's just not a good vibe like the entire way through. So after, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week as well. After playing a few side quests, kind of getting sick of it, just said, screw it. I'm going to play the main campaign, run through it, and then play my next title, which is God of War. So I'll get into that in a minute, but as far as Biomutant is concerned, not worth your money. Inflated, 100%. Buy it at like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, have some fun. But after that, no, nah, not even. Now, would you take up the same, this is kind of the position, and I haven't played Biomutant, and I'm probably never going to play Biomutant, but from what I've heard people say and what it looks like to me, and, you know, given that this is like a huge project for a small studio, would you say that this is like, a really good first attempt and that you're like waiting to see what this studio is capable of doing for a round two. I think they bit off more than they could chew is the way I would look at this. And so it's not to say that it's a bad first attempt because it's a great first attempt. The problem is, is that if this is going to be their style where you have a narrator or you have like repetitive aspects of a game like that, then I would say don't even bother developing anymore because people don't like that. It's just way too damn repetitive. Now, if they went into, say Biomutant was, you know, just a campaign, like the main story, 
and there were no crazy side quests and it was linear, then I would say it probably is pretty decent. But the problem is, is they try to do way too much with such a small team. And I mean, this game has been in, in development for years. So, you know, along the way, I'm just shocked that like nobody kind of came through and said, hey, guys, this is super repetitive or hey, the story just isn't that great. Or people want emotion with their, you know, instead of this, they want like the characters actually talk. They don't want to hear a narrator the whole time. I feel like those are things that should have been caught a long time ago. And either they were and they just didn't have the budget to complete, you know, get full out voicing or they weren't caught and they were just like, oh, we think this is great. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like a good first attempt. I mean, visually, it's not bad. And control wise, it works like it's it's a good game in those respects, but it's just way too big for what they were trying to do or for what they are, I would say. Um, so yeah, that's just my, my general opinion on it. And I do know games like, you know, Skyrim, for example, have, uh, you know, you might have a character that's like, Hey, how are you? And then it has like just text kind of running through. I honestly would have actually preferred to have something like that for this game. Uh, or even just like, turning off the narrator altogether, which you probably can. I didn't even check to see if you can or can't at this point, but you know, just having the different like animal languages and such, and then kind of bouncing in with his narrator saying like, Oh, such and such a person said this. It's just, it kills it. It just isn't good. So, well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the general consensus. So, I mean, I, uh, it, people have tried that. Yeah. People have tried that and it just hasn't worked out. Like there's a reason that like, after you know like bastion if that was going to be a popular thing it would have taken off 10 years ago well and this that particular you know view of like the narrator talking and that type of thing that goes into gameplay like that there are games that it's suited for like little 10 big hour planet games for, instead of 40 hour games. Well, well, and even like little big planet, I want to say has a narrator tied to it. Um, you know, there's various games that have narrators and those games work well with what they are because you anticipate there to be a narrator. Excuse me. You anticipate there to be a narrator in the game, right? This game, I wasn't anticipating that I was thinking like full blown open world, you know, fallout, but like bio mutant style with like all these crazy things occurring, like with these animals. And, you know, I thought it was going to be a different experience and it, it just kind of, it was just a letdown. I mean, at the end of the day, you it wanted really like was fallout ratchet and clank. Yeah, that's kind of, and I think a lot of people wanted that. That was a lot of the expectation from folks is that we were wanting like this end of the world fallout, open world RPG with ratchet and clank type elements and voice acting. And we didn't get that. This is why I'm so just like disinterested anymore in the open world format, because it's like, I feel like no matter what the setup is anymore, I'm just kind of like, eh. and it's like, I'm not even, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows that I'm not like the most prolific game player, but I mean, I had just like the biggest meh reaction to like, pokemon arceus and like i love pokemon and just to see it like oh open world like open world to me at this point is the same as like you know like how everything is like a looter shooter now or everything is like you know over monetized like open world is just like another gimmick and i feel like 
I, I just I'm tired of opening menus and just seeing map markers and just being like, oh man, well, that's see, a lot of I, stuff that I'm gonna have to go do for a while. Well, see, I don't mind it so much. I mean, I played you know Horizon Zero Dawn and absolutely love that game. Um, well, and was, I've heard these laments from people that have played Zero Dawn, Horizon Zero Dawn, but like it's a good game and it overcomes that. Yeah, exactly. But it still has that same fatiguing feeling because it's just it's not a fresh concept anymore. Because like we spent the whole '90s and before that trying to get out of the corridor, and since then it's just been all bigger, bigger open world with like less and less like quality in those little moments. Except for the games that really shine through. Like, I mean, I didn't finish Ghost of Tsushima, but like mm-hmm. I felt that like after I'd played a bunch of Ghost of Tsushima, because it's not like I just barely played it. Like I played a decent chunk of it. And then I was like, oh, wait, I've unlocked like a third or half of the first map. And I still have all this to do. And it was like compelling to go through, but it Mm -hmm. was just seeing the map. I was just like, oh my God, I haven't even gone over here or over there. And if I want to paint all the map in, I just have to kind of do laps back and forth. Well, see, Tsushima, though, and like Horizon Zero Dawn, those two titles had a lot of emotion, even in those side quests. Like you could go into a side quest and while the overall concept might be the same, like, oh, we have to chase down these robbers or we have to do this. Each of those side quests had their own story tied to it. And each of them felt good. Like when you completed it, you felt like you were actually accomplishing something in the game. And it it didn't feel as repetitive because all those characters had their different emotions tied to them. And there was always just something else kind of going on in those different regions. Whereas a Biomutant, it just all felt very much the same. And because you didn't have that emotion tied to the characters, it just didn't hook you in like a Tsushima or... Uh, like that of Horizon Zero Dawn and hopefully Forbidden West is just as good. I mean, I'm okay with open world games. It's not to say I'm not, but this one just really killed it for me. So, you know, like I said, avoid it. It's not worth it. Um, You know, end of the day, small studio makes sense that, you know, uh, the game was what it was, but, you know, next time maybe bring in more people because it was a THQ Nordic game, I think, or at least they published it, right? So, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it's it's just not worth it. So don't bother. Uh, but get digging into God of War before we jump into our articles here. So uh, good. Yeah, dude, it's fantastic. maybe my favorite game ever. I don't know yet. Yeah. So I ended up. Um, let's see. So I finished off the stranger, finished that part, uh, came across um, those like witch things. I'm still trying to learn enemy names, but it's like these witches that disappear. And it's Atreus. Is that correct? The son's name. And. Uh, Atreus. Basically, Atreus, yeah. Atreus! And, yeah, or boy. Uh, boy. So yeah, essentially... Boy of war. It's like some sort of witch enemy that he has to hit him with arrows, so that way you could come in and actually slash him with the axe. Uh, and then they disappear and they throw poison at you. I forget the name of them, but uh, I just came across those, and uh, I just beat... Uh, what are the... Are they Draugrs? Is that what they're called? Draugr, yeah. Draugr. So I came across the things, the heavy Draugrs. Uh, recently and i had a boss battle there and then that's where i talk to us when you get to the boat okay sounds good i'll let you know when i get to the boat but so far yeah i'm enjoying it a lot it's um it's a blast i'm getting a hang of the uh the dodging and such and of course the um uh utilizing the shield to be able to parry your enemies god i want to play this game now but i have two other games i have to play you got two other games (laughs) 
Uh, so yeah, great. I'm enjoying. It. I'm enjoying it so far. You can live vicariously through me as I play it. Uh, but yeah, it's great. So I'm having fun, and uh, I've always loved the God of War series. So this is what I think four years old or three years old since it came out. This and, came um, out in I, I think 2017. Yeah, I want to say 2017. Yeah, I I don't know, but it it's fantastic so far. So I'm maybe an hour and a half in at most and uh i'm loving it so far so i can't wait to see how you want to gear in this game because it's it's interesting the way that i wound up going with my gear and the way that i wanted to play was not really what i was expecting to do yeah i'll let you know when i start gearing up like i haven't come across any gear or anything like that or any upgrades to my weapon yet it'll be it'll be a bit yet the the game is so great in how it has like these multiple points where it's like Oh, the game's opened up. Oh, the game's opened up. Oh, the game's opened up. And it kind of likes to layer these like new aspects of itself onto you in like a good succession so that you're not just like tackling everything at the beginning. Like that's how I always like you ever try to play a mobile game and it's like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll check this out. And then it's like, well, I guess the first half hour of this game is all tutorials on the different kinds of currency. Mm-hmm. and it's just like it feels like you're taking forever to really get into it and god of war just like it doesn't fuss around with any of that like it kind of feeds it to you at kind of the perfect pace yeah and that's what i've noticed so far is like some of the different attacks and such that i've been able to do or um you know different maneuvers uh within the game like they've all kind of just progressed slowly which is nice so um i'm liking it i'll keep playing it of course and uh we'll see where i am next week with it uh, probably not far because my family's in town, but we'll see. Um, all right. So before we jump into our articles, of course, find our podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, including Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, etc. And then find us on social media at The Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram at Game Deflators on Twitter. And of course, you can find us on TheGameDeflators.com. All right. So uh, first article here, or really first thread is please be very mindful of predatory monetization in Pokemon Unite. Uh, this is by uh, not Nathan Drake on the Reddit thread uh, Nintendo Switch. So r slash Nintendo Switch. Um, so dude, basically he this guy goes into how he's played the game and he's noticed right off the bat that uh, the game really does try to hook you in on the monetization aspects is what he's claiming. I haven't tried it yet personally, um, but for those that don't know, it's a MOBA and um well and preface with with like so he opens up with to preface i am a free to play mobile game developer monetization and strategy around this is my bread and butter my job is to find the right balance between monetizing your product and players enjoying it so i mean we don't really have a way to verify this guy and i'm not a bit right at user so it's not like his name stands out to me i mean he's got 23.9k upvote on here so like I mean, so take that as seriously. what you will. Yeah. But like, yeah, he he's claiming he's got some chops to speak professionally on this topic. Yeah. And I mean, essentially, he's going into the idea that um, the game, in a sense, lures you in with the standard things that you would get, uh, you know, with your introduction or tutorials and such, where it kind of builds out and gets you a couple gimmies here and there with a few characters and and so on and some cosmetics, but that it very quickly turns from that to an obvious uh, cash grab in that where he sees it is you're going to get to a point 
where everybody else around you, it's pay to win. So everybody else around you is going to be paying to win the game and do better. And you're just going to kind of be sitting there taking forever to level up, taking forever to get new characters and skins uh, because you're not paying into it. And I get it. You know, it's a free to play game and there's got to be some sort of monetization tied to it, whether that's, you know, advertisements or, you know, in this case, a pay to win concept. But he makes it appear to be as if it's a little unfair, like it's too unbalanced. And if you look at games like, for example, I know it's not a MOBA, but if you look at a game like Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go is a, a great game to get into the fact that you can sit there and catch various Pokemon. Your character levels up, you level up with it. You have the chance to do raids and other things. And the monetary aspect of it is there to kind of help boost you in getting things quicker, but you don't need to necessarily buy the the items of money uh, to to you know be competitive in the game. Whereas this, he makes it sound like if you want to be competitive, you have to buy into it. And uh, obviously it's a whole pay to win concept. So uh, essentially his warning is, you know, if you've got kids and they want to play Pokemon Unite, be super aware of what's going on because we've heard all those horror stories in the past where, you know, kids rack up like three and $4,000 in a card through an online or, or you know. Didn't we uh, do freemium. an article once on like $15,000 from like FIFA or something? And I don't think it was FIFA. I think it was some kid with like, was it Roblox or something like that? Maybe Roblox. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, we had an article at some point, a prior episode uh, where yeah, some kid spent a crap ton of his parents' money on like a freemium type game and yeah, it wasn't happy days for them, and and uh, they couldn't cancel. I think it was like an Apple game, if I'm correct. No, it was Apple, dude. Some kid like tried to purchase like a bunch of different like skins or something, or like different types of coins for a game, and it was on Apple, and Apple was refusing to refund the mom or something along those lines. I don't remember the exact article, but yeah, we talked about it. I mean, uh, so, go ahead. No, so yeah, basically that's the concept, right? If you got kids, keep an eye on them if they're playing this game. Uh, he recommends that if anything, it's adults playing it primarily and just kind of leave it at that. Uh, it's it's kid friendly in a sense of what it is, but uh, predatory in that you're going to have kids begging you to to buy upgrades and buy cards or whatever the hell else is involved in this to to boost up their character. And it's just not worth it, basically, is what he's saying. Well, and he gets into it. He says that basically they have like five monetization strategies at play in this. And that most other games in this category usually only have about two. So they're getting a little bit extra greedy. And I mean, to have to have a game where monetization impacts the actual rate of play is definitely not a good thing for any game. But like in MOBAs, especially there's so many like League of Legends, purely cosmetic Dota, purely cosmetic. Those are the two biggest ones like they don't have a well. I mean, I guess if I'm remembering right, I think that you can like. Probably get more runes faster in. But I guess in one of those man, games that can make you a little bit stronger. I don't know. But for the most part, like those games are built off of balance and allowing as many people to play for free as possible. And. Like for Pokemon to be the game that's like stripped away from that, like it makes so much sense because it's just a giant, giant money machine. But it's so disappointing, especially because you know that like, you know, they're only going to have so many Pokemon. It's not like everybody that loves Pokemon is going to be able to play this game as their favorite. Like I'm not going to be able to just like be like, oh, yeah, sweet, dude. I'm going to like main Cubone in this game. Like that's not going to happen. That's not how Pokemon works ever. Yeah. But and I 
I get it, man. Like in your comparison of like Dota and uh, League of Legends and such, and you know them having you know primarily skins and cosmetics and such that are going to be like their primary money makers in that regard. And of course, the advertising that goes into it. It is super disappointing to see something like Pokemon being taken advantage of because it's Pokemon. And frankly, that's the route Nintendo is going with a lot of this stuff. I mean, we saw with the the Doctor Mario mobile game. We've seen it with this. We've seen it with. I guess Pokemon goes technically uh, Niantic and and the Pokemon Company, but Nintendo I think owns a stake in that. So I mean, Nintendo is just like going rampant with all of these opportunities to make cash whenever they can and i get it they're a business i mean they and, do and keep it out of their main games like yeah that's... like you're never gonna turn on a mario game that's going to like pressure you to spend money to play more of the mario game unless it's on like a side platform or it's some weird thing so it's like i guess as long as they're relegating it to like the bs side stuff that most people like this was a great idea for a game and I like MOBAs and I like Pokemon. Would I ever play this? Probably not. But you know, now I'm definitely not going to play it. Well, and Nintendo, like I said, man, I understand they got to make money, but you know, they are kind of digging into this, right? So you've got your, uh, your DLC stuff that I don't think Nintendo and I think Nintendo passed that they wouldn't be doing DLC for games. Now they're like, dlc galore any chance that they get right so and i can always appreciate dlc because you're getting more content for the game but for something like smash for example to have like god however many damn characters are in that game it's a cash grab every single time they release a new character it's a flipping cash grab and it's just kind of it's annoying in a sense you know like just to kind of consistently see that across the board for nintendo totally get it if you're gonna you know bitch at me about the fact that you know I'm complaining about Nintendo trying to make money. Go ahead. But, you know, it's pretty obvious what they're doing. And you say right now, like, hey, they're not putting into their main line of games. And, you know, I don't have to buy anything right now for Mario. But, you know, at this point, uh, several years from now, they might be. You know, maybe this is them testing the water, seeing if people are going to effectively, like, try to, you know, if they're going to actively pay money for these types of games and will Nintendo down the road start including things like like issues like that where, oh, you want this Mario skin and you want it within like Mario Odyssey 2 or something? Yeah, go ahead and pay X amount of money to get that skin. Like I just I could just see that happening down the road and it's frustrating. So, I mean, it's nothing that's going to nothing can happen to stop that other than just people not supporting it. That's really what it comes down to. And and that's too much to ask. So, uh, all right. Anything else in that before we move on, dude? Moving on. All right. So uh, this one we can be pretty quick on. Uh, the new PS5 digital edition model revision coming in and it weighs 300 grams lighter. Uh, so this is by Ernest Lin at PSU. And um, dude, I, we I don't know what why. think about this. Like it's a console revision, you know, but yeah, we, we don't know why it weighs 300 grams lighter, which I guess in pounds is like a half this pound is, roughly um, or a little over a half pound. This is my theory. So we did this last time. It's conversion. Yeah. So they were like, what? Hey, we're making so much money on the PS five. Let's just file off bits of it. So we could save 300 grams worth of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my idea like i don't think they changed anything out they changed out a screw we do know that they changed out one screw <laughs> one uh, screw is half a pound 
So, I mean, like, if they're just, like, shaving off, like, metal from, like, the heat sink or something to try to save themselves money so that they can make more money since it's selling, like, hotcakes, that's one thing. If they changed out a half a pound's worth of chips so that they could make more of them because of the chip shortage on the chips they're trying to use, that doesn't make any sense at all. So, you know, the truth is somewhere in between those two things. And either way, like, could I, be a, I don't a, see how this is super going to benefit us. Like, unless it can drastically increase the rate at what they can produce them, then I don't think it really matters. And I think it's just going to wind up as like a cost saving measure. Yeah, I think that's really what this is at the end of the day. Kind of similar to Nintendo when they release like that that first revision of the Nintendo switch where it was uh, like a, a new battery or something and uh, a different chip, right. That they decided to go with. So there's no crazy um, bits of information have been provided in here. Just that's 300 grams lighter and leaving us the speculation as to what the hell's going on. I think it's more of a material aspect. They probably changed um, the materials in which it's actually created. So maybe they've added, you know, more plastic or something instead of metal inside, or uh, maybe they've changed the thickness uh, within the panels or something. I mean, who knows at this point, but as long as the damn thing functions and it works and this does not count as the PS five slim, it really doesn't. And actually <laughs> the measurements are the exact same thing. The only difference is that it's 300 grams lighter. It's literally the only difference that they're able to find, uh, within these specs that have been leaked. I mean, is, recently uh, is a weight. Yeah. Recently with the, the Nintendo OLED, like there was a report that came out. There was like, speculating as to the cost of the new parts and saying like, well, they're jacking it up by $50, but the new screen is going to cost them $7 more per unit. And this other thing is going to cost them like $3 more per unit. So they're going to start making like 30 to $40 more per unit. And Nintendo who never responds to rumors was like, wait, no, we're not. That's false. Yeah. Yeah, and there's got to be some sort of truth into it, right? Because Nintendo normally doesn't respond to that. So for them to come out, there's it's probably true um, for them to deny it that harshly. But here's another crazy thing, dude. So it's $50 more, right? And you've got this OLED screen. And what did they do? They doubled the uh, the capacity of the, mem- or, of the uh, space to like 64 gigabytes, right? Like the actual like hard drive oh, yeah, space yeah. available to. So I was at Costco today and for sale for 50 bucks, okay? You could buy two 256 gigabyte cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nintendo branded, right? So like, oh, the ones with like the mushroom on them or the star or whatever? I, I think so, yeah. But the point is, right? Like, oh, we doubled the the size or the capacity of the drive so you can save your games. Okay, so you made 64 gigs, but for 50 bucks, I can go buy 520, like right now? Like, or no, actually, yeah, 520. Like, how crazy is that? Like, it's 50 bucks more. Like how, how much cheaper would a digital like, storage has become so cheap in our lifetime yeah, I know. for and you kids that are out there that are young and listening to us. Thank you. But uh, second of all, before like micro SD cards, they used to have these big fat compact flash cards that went in every digital camera and were like 20 megs. Yeah. And they were like 70 bucks each. Yeah, it's insane. Like hard drives back then, I mean, they're still kind of expensive, but if you wanted like a standard hard drive, not like a SATA drive, like a standard hard drive back then, like a terabyte would run you like a couple hundred bucks easily. 
you know, and having a case and everything else for it. So I guess the point is right. And the point I'm trying to make is they've gone ahead and boosted up 50 bucks. And there's a report saying that it only costs them $7 to do that. And then the other like big upgrade is they only doubled the memory size of 64 gigs when they have the full capability of having a flippin', you know, SD card that can hold 256 for on a retail value, $25. So think about their overall cost to make that happen like oh dude printing those little sd cards has to be like just like printing money yeah it's it's so ridiculous so you know i don't know how much longer i can support nintendo with some of these practices like i know all companies do it but nintendo is just so obvious with it dude that's what's freaky about it is like they're so obvious that they have this like cult following and it just drives me insane dude like i love nintendo products i will you know play them whenever I can. Obviously I have plenty of products that, you know, I've purchased in the past of Nintendo, but I equally purchased a lot of Sony and I have some Xbox and other things as well. And I just, I can't get over Nintendo and, and their overall practices. I know Sony and Microsoft do similar things, but yeah, Nintendo's just drive me crazy, dude. Ugh, I just can't get over it. Um, all right, let's, let's dig into that. Cause we went like quickly from PS five, uh, being shaved to uh, Nintendo. Uh, the next thing here is a Netflix gaming expansion, and uh, it's starting with mobile. This is Jay Peters at The Verge. Uh, we talked about this last week about how to reports or, or not reports, but confirmation that Netflix would be expanding into the video game space and that they would be including it for free as part of the subscription to all of their users. Uh, further clarification on that in the last week is that they're going to be starting with mobile. And they did reference, by the way, uh, Bandersnatch. Uh, the one that I called out to you last week, mm-hmm. you're like, no, that's not a game. They actually referenced that as one of the reasons they were going in. Uh, they also referenced Carmen San Diego, I guess, has like an interactive component to it. And then they, of course, referenced the Stranger Things game, which was themed, of course, after Netflix um, and that show. So I think personally, I think this is a smart move, dude. Uh, they're starting off in a smaller capacity via mobile. Um you know, there's from a financial aspect, probably not as much tied into it. Uh, they can jump into things like the freemium uh, versions if they want. Right. So it's included and in, as part of your Netflix, but um, maybe there's in-game purchases uh, that'll be tied to it, which makes sense. Uh, but, you know, how this expands into like console style down the road or like being able to stream like bigger games from your TV. Who knows? I mean, maybe this is where they stop, right? Maybe they just move forward with mobile and they don't want to mess with the other stuff. Or maybe, you know, like I said, this is a a test market for them. It's a way to kind of see how things progress and then slowly start kind of building up what they have. So as people become aware, they don't have to put so much money into it initially. People are going to be aware of the fact that they offer games and then just kind of build upon that, Um, which, yeah, I think it's a smart move, dude. And, you know, I said last week, if there's one company I think that can kind of crack the video game streaming, it's Netflix. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, one? like, they've definitely got the infrastructure down and, like, an approach like how Apple did the Apple Arcade is, you know, a good strategy. I don't really see that that has really built out into anything from Apple Arcade. And, I mean, how long ago did we make our Vectrix video? And we never talk um, about Apple Arcade in any interesting way. Like they launch with like a bunch of interesting titles and I'm sure that they've gotten some good premium mobile games since then. But I mean, nothing that's caught my radar enough that like I could reference it off the top of my head here. Yeah, I think that episode is um, 
episode 47 or 49 that specific episode it's like the vectrix arcade versus apple arcade and yeah that was a lot one of the last times we talked about it because you, you did play it for a little bit after that um but yeah ever since then yeah nothing so we'll see i i'm definitely interested to see how netflix kind of progresses here and if they're able to kind of crack that code and you know jump into the space uh, i think it's not going to be an immediate like i think they're taking a, a crawl walk run approach with it which uh which i think is smart i don't see them kind of jumping head first like stadia or uh even amazon like just trying to get the big players tied in and uh you know make it a huge a huge initiative when it really doesn't have to and by the way netflix did reference within uh this interview i suppose or or wherever this was gathered from uh they had mentioned that they're already competing against video games uh in terms of attention so that was one of their primary reasons for jumping into some sort of, uh, you know, in some sort of gaming capacity uh, was because they feel a threat and they, you know, they feel a threat from the gaming industry as is. So it's more so a defensive play at the same time. And of course, trying to offer a new revenue stream. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into the inflation deflation this week. So we talked about the Game & Watch uh, that was released in 2020. Uh, so developed by Nintendo published by Nintendo, released in November of 2020. So what is that, like eight months ago, nine months ago? Yeah, uh, crazy. Yeah, right. Uh, game type, it is a platform compilation, uh, except for Ball, which is not a platform. <laughs> uh, and then you've got a reception of eight to nine out of ten. Uh, so, Ryan, you just picked yours up recently. I picked up mine a while back. Um, let me just kind of get my my quick you know thoughts on it. So... I like the clock component. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I do like that it has that retro vibe going for it as, you know, the classic game and watches from years past. Uh, so that's always kind of cool. And I've always wanted to own one. So even though it's 2020, it's not like an original. It's still pretty cool, right? You still have that that whole vibe going for you. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Ball uh, out of that game. It's I like Ball. I, I'm not a big fan. I mean, it's it's a time killer for sure, but it's not something that. Well, that's what they would started in- as. Like, that's the yeah. OG. I know. I thing, know. And that's the reason to put it in your in your bag and carry it with you is because games like that are things that you could just pull out and do real quick while you're in a line. And it, it doesn't really matter. And the ability to just like pause and then continue is like great with this. Yeah, I mean, I know other things you could pull out really quick and do in a line, but you probably wouldn't want to. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry. had to put that in there, Ryan. Uh, so, yeah, the other games on there are Lost Levels, uh, which in my mind is the true Mario 2, because I'm a big fan of Mario 2. And you have the original Super Mario Bros. So, or Mario Bros. Either way, dude, I think it's pretty cool. Lost Levels is my favorite out of the entire Mario franchise as far as like back then. Um, I prefer it over Super Mario 3, definitely prefer it over 1, and of course prefer it over 2. Um, actually, I prefer it over the 64 version as well. Oh, uh, wow. So, yeah. So, dude, I hate Mario 64. I'm t- shit all over me if you want, people, but it's not a good he game. He loves it. It's not a good game. It's pretty bad. Uh, and, and, of course, Super Mario World, I think, is top tier uh, in that regard, but uh i i grew up playing a lot of lost levels when i was a kid because i had the whole mario all-stars pack um so that was of course one of the first mario games that i really dug into a lot when i was growing up and this is pretty cool right so it's everything i used to know and love about the game all in a nice little compact device that i can charge 
and it's got a watch to it. So, and it's USB C. Yeah, that too. So that's always nice. Uh, Of course, it has a Mario Bros. game. So at the end of the day, like, I don't, you're not really paying for Mario, right? You're paying for more of the nostalgia component and the, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Uh, I guess like the uniqueness of this type of uh, device. Um, it's more, it's more so for that, right? It's more so for the collectability aspect and, you know, it was released as like a 35th anniversary item. And technically it's the 35th anniversary Mario game and watch. Um, so, I mean, when we start looking at things like the price point, it makes sense, you know, where it's at, but you know, what are your thoughts overall in, in the time that you've spent with it? I love it, man. Like it, it's so small, but perfectly sized. I mean, the rubbery buttons aren't really like this isn't something that you would want to like try to speed run on like it's definitely not built for performance it's built for nostalgia and i mean i can't say enough good things about the screen and just how clear and vibrant and great everything looks i mean the sound is pretty cool I love the time mode i just wish that the screen didn't time out like i would love to be able to just set it on my desk and watch Mario just all day long, just keep track of the time and run across the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, but at the end of the day, man, when we look at the brass tacks here, okay. So we've got the most expensive version being a new version of it, of course, and the cheapest being a loose version. But, you know, complete in box is in about 47.50, peaked at 123 actually when it first came out. Uh, it's, of course, trending downwards. And then a loose copy is going to run you 39 bucks. It peaked at 89 back when it first kind of released. That's also trending down. Uh, when you kind of consider what you're getting here, um, you know, factoring in nostalgia component, uh, the uniqueness of this item, and it just being a fun little cool piece to own, is it worth the $50? I mean, I was really on the fence. Like, I didn't want to pay $50 for it. I wasn't even sure if I was going to get it. And then once they announced the Zelda one, I was like, well, if I'm going to get that one, I might as well have both. And if I'm going to get both, I might as well buy one retail. And when I got to the store and I saw there was only one left and there was, you know, no markdown yet. I was like, I better act fast. Yeah, I don't know that it's worth 50 bucks for everybody, but I mean, I really think that it's worth 50 bucks for anybody that's interested like you're not going to walk away from this and be disappointed in the way that you would if you spent 50 bucks on a game that you weren't that into because you could buy this and not really play it and it still looks better than just like a video game box on your shelf And it entirely plays itself. It's its own system. It's got like history and nostalgia before behind it. I mean, the box itself is an interesting, cool looking box. I, I always bring up boxes, but I think that it's, um, I think it's great. I think it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's a collectible. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you paid for. You paid for a collectible. And I think when you kind of take it into that regard, um, you know, I would say that the price is just right. You know, when when you look into what's been created there, uh, all of the nostalgic components to it, the history behind it, uh, the quality of the build is not bad. And the fact that you are getting several games in there, 
I think 50 bucks is about right for something of his nature. Yeah, I mean, anything less than that, and it would probably be cheap. Yeah, exactly. So I think you're kind of getting what you pay for uh, with its overall build. And I'm not saying it's like the exact same thing as like the old ones, because those things are built like tanks, I feel, um, in the few that I've actually like held in play uh, years past. Um, But I do think you get what you pay for in this instance. It hasn't dropped in price anytime recently. Um, It is, of course, going to become more and more scarce in stores. Um, You know, I, I can't see it going anywhere below 40 bucks you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the 35th or uh, not 35th, but the Zelda anniversary coming out. Yeah. I, I just can't see us going any lower. So I think it's, it's more so if you're listening to this episode and you haven't picked one up yet, I mean, if you got 50 bucks to spare or, you know, a little less, if you can find it cheaper, just pick it up. It's, you know, it's a cool piece to own. Definitely. And it, it's, it's a good display piece for sure. All right, man. Well, um, I guess we'll uh, we'll pick up Blue's Clues next week. Uh, so we sure will. Yeah, we sure will. Well, um, and you know, it's the best thing is that I have a friend coming into town. We aren't going to say it just in case Joel hears this episode, but uh, you know, I've got a friend coming into town, and yeah, he'll uh, get to enjoy this game with us, and I think he's going to have a blast watching you play some Blue's Clues with me. It's going to be great. <laughs> I bet. Be like, I bet everyone will love that. It's going to be like Bible time games. Or Bible game times, Bible game time. <laughs> sorry, Bible time games. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a blast of this next week. All right. Well, regardless, this has been episode 141 of the Game Deflators podcast. I'm starting to lose track of numbers, by the way, man. Like we're getting into that, you know, we've got a crap ton of episodes now. And once we hit 150, I'm going to start probably saying like 15 whenever we're saying episode numbers. Uh, but yeah, 141 episode at see 141 of the game deflators podcast my name's john i'm ryan and thanks for listening